The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. All right, everybody, before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, if you love the strategy of season-long fantasy sports and live for the short-term gratifications of DFS, then you have to try out weekly fantasy sports WFS on Owner's Box. Head on over to rotoballer.com backslash box and sign up today. Weekly Fantasy Sports is the best of daily and season long. It keeps you engaged through live drafting and new multi-week games. Owner's Box will also be paying out users who bring their friends on board. Watch the real money rewards pile up through their first ever three-tiered referral system. Add friends, create groups, and rank up to uh, up to elevate the trash talk and competition to the next level. But that's not it. Owner's Box will be matching your first time deposit of up to $500 for any depositors through January 4th. Just head on over to www.rotoballer.com backslash box and sign up today to claim your $500 bonus and join the new wave of weekly fantasy sports. Now, to this episode of Benched with Bubba. back everybody to another episode of benched with bubba episode 340 we're gonna talk bullpens because bullpens are just crazy right now we got a little bit of clarity over the last couple weeks but there's still a lot of question marks there we have a little bit of other recent uh hot stove news you can say but uh in order to talk bullpens i'm bringing in i am going to the bullpen i'm bringing in the closer when it comes to bullpens you can find his work at fantasy alarm at coffee and closers he has the closer charts he's on twitter at gju at nine Greg, how we doing, my friend? I'm all right, my friend Bubba. How are you? Good, good. It's always fun chatting it up. Uh, it, was, it was fun before we started. Just uh, we could have probably done that for the whole you know hour and a half or something. But uh, mm-hmm. I think we might as well push push record here before uh, we get started on it all. Let everybody know what you got going on your your mailer and all that good stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I've been doing the uh, closer charts that uh, you and Toby are so kind to uh, talk about on your other show. Um, that. I, I didn't believe it, but that actually started back in 2015. 
Um, I, I try and up the, update those daily when stuff happens. Uh, I've changed the color so you can be seen in light and dark mode. Um, and then underneath in the regular season, I do game recaps just to kind of give people a heads up of what's happening and what could be happening. And then I, I've discovered Substack. So then I started doing some stuff on there because it actually let me do a little bit of long form. Uh, long story short, but, you know, I used to do the, the bullpen reports with Al Melchior over at Fangraphs. And then uh, last year when, when money got tight, they, they didn't bring us back. So I, I didn't want to waste all of that concentration I had in the bullpen. So the, the coffee and closers on Substack kind of gave me an outlet for, for what him and I used to do on, on the site there. So I'm um, happy Fangraphs has bounced back. I see they're, they're hiring again, so that's fantastic. Um, but, you know, one door closes, another opens, and, and hopefully I can uh, disclose that in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we're looking forward to it because your stuff is awesome. So it's fun for us that have been able to check it out, but uh, looking forward to uh, to what you have in store next. The closer charts, like you said, we talked about on the other show. I've used them ever since I got to know them from you and I've talked to you on the show before. They're, they're a go-to reference for bullpen looks for me. So there's always guys on there, and we'll talk about it when we get to it, that I wouldn't even have thought of. And I, just looking at roster resource wouldn't have done justice to it. So the work you put in is much appreciated and all that good stuff. Um, before we get into the bullpens, though, let's kind of just go over some of the recent news in the fantasy relevance. Some will be bullpen related, some won't be. And we'll start out with the bullpen one. Uh, the Giants, they just signed Jake McGee. McGee you know, was once a big-time closer at the Rays and went to Colorado, didn't go so well. But his last like year wasn't horrible. Like we started seeing signs of a Jake McGee going to the giants where there's all kinds of options to close. What do you see a fit for McGee? If there's any fantasy fits at all. Okay. Well, anytime we're talking about Gabe Kapler comes with uh, a little consternation because him alone makes me take Maylox when I'm doing bullpen reports, but um, here's the deal. And, and it kind of blew me away. Cause you know, I love the work by Andrew Baggerly. So I was reading his article on the athletic about the signing and, and he indicated that, McKee, McGee might be, you know, thrust into uh, safe situations right from the onset. So uh, another thing that I read in the article, and I hope people have a, a subscription to the Athletic because it's great information on there daily, um, that McGee struggled during his time in Colorado getting, you know, feel for secondary pitches. And, and I know we've heard that with other people, but he said it really messed with, with his head and then his mechanics and he was overthrowing and, you know, L.A., showed him a few things and he just went back to the basics, just throwing his fastball like he used to do with Tampa Bay and then everything else kind of fell into place and he had a great year for the Dodgers. So, um, and, and that's a key thing. Cause you know, as you know, with the, being a, being a Giants person, you know, facing all those left-handed bats that the Dodgers have, having somebody like McGee in high leverage spots uh, could be very advantageous in, in those matchups. So, and the really the rest of that division's laid out, We'll see how it happens, but I I immediately after reading the article changed uh, McGee. Now it's still a fluid situation in my eyes, but I put McGee at the top of the heap based on what he said. Uh, if Reyes Maranta is throwing ninety eight, you know, by the end of spring, I think he would be the uh, Robin to Batman. So kind of based on matchups, one or the other could get the ninth inning. And then you still got Matt Whistler there as well. Um, Tyler Rogers seems like he's going to be the stopper which means he'll, because he can work more than one inning. He can kind of come in at any time. Um, I think that's kind of his role. So it's almost going to be layered like the Twins bullpen with a, with a three-headed monster, but but two front guys uh, at the onset of the season. But, again, this is based on – and 
uh, beggarly muse that if Morant is not healthy, then then it's probably Whistler as the as the number two in that in that hierarchy. That's good to know because yeah, I've always wanted to be close forever, but it's been the hell thing. It's been a control thing. Um, McGee is interesting because, like you said, with Kepler, he does like to play matchups. We see we saw it even last year. Like Watson would get some saves, and they go like they move things around. So it is fitting if McGee shows any sign like he did in, in L.A. to what he was in Tampa. It's a great acquisition for the time being, even if they want to trade him at the deadline and get more profit, whatever they want to do. It's phenomenal. Um, I think he's got a two-year deal. Yeah, that's true. So he might be there for the until next they, year. They'll have a gaggle, they have a gaggle of lefties. So yeah, true. Uh, that's they don't have to worry about saving him for the lefty-specific matchup. If they, if they have lefties in the seventh, they can use a couple of the guys, and then they can save him for the ninth if they're going to be coming around the bend again. So, yeah, definitely going to be pliable. So – uh, the the last two drafts I saw in the NFBC, McGee's ADP shot up to 331 and 343. Yeah, no, he's going to start flying. So it's going to be interesting to see, and I'm with you. I think he's their best option, but it'll be interesting because they've signed a lot of bullpen pieces this offseason. So uh, Kapler, he's going to have all the fun he wants. Um, let's go to the Miami Marlins. They went and signed Adam Duvall, who we saw have signs of life with Atlanta at times last year, but then he's also been kind of a platoon guy at times. But when he gets every at-bats, it's intriguing. In Miami, he might get those at bats. Maybe does he have any fantasy relevance for you this year? Uh, other than the fact that he might take at bats away from Cooper. Uh, yeah. I, I, here's the thing with Duvall: he had that great start, and there was those two weeks in DFS. Everybody was playing him, and then if you look at and, and it's hard to say, you look at a split from this shortened season. But yeah. if you look at his, I think it's his last 25 games or so, he only hit like 217. He became who he usually is, yeah. which is strike out maybe a walk or hit a home run. And, you know, I, that's not usually people I like to populate my roster with, maybe one of them. But uh, I, for me, I'm I'm still going to pass on Duvall, especially going to that ballpark. And if he's losing five feet per fly ball, that's not alluring to me. Yeah, I'm with you there. It's a tricky one. I knew he had full time and other scenarios, sure. but And I'm with the, the Cooper news, not a fan of. And so I was a big fan of Cooper going to the last season. Long story there. Um, Johnny VR the, is supposed to be going to the Reds. Now he's going to the Mets. And uh, if he was on the Reds, it was intriguing because he'd probably start every day and steal some bags and have some fun. But now he goes to the Mets where he's likely a platoon player. Is there any fantasy value anymore with Johnny VR besides getting steals from time to time? Well, only in league-only formats unless an injury happens. Yeah, it's it's tricky. Like, yeah, league-only, maybe if you're like in a deep daily situation. Otherwise, it's I mean, in, in Cincinnati, we were like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, that's – it's just like playing in Baltimore. That's a ballpark that'll that'll help his fly ball. But yeah, not yeah. This situation kind of deflates all of that all of that steam. And now you're now you're seeing the Mets rumors emerge today, talking about trading for Brian. There was even a Wilder rumor saying they're talking to the A's about Chapman. I doubt they'll make that one happen. But uh, the Brian one seems like it's getting legs again. Yeah, Brian's going to be gone before the season starts. I have a feeling since since conversation started back up again. So that'll be a a fun one to monitor. Uh, St. Louis Cardinals, you kind of always sensed Yadi Molina was coming home, but in the back of your mind, you always remembered Albert Pujols left as well. So there was always the slim chance it would happen, but Yadi's back. You know, Wayno came back, now Yadi's back. Um, kind of puts a little tempering on uh, their prospect catching there, but uh, Yadi Molina, does he slot back in as like a solid SP2 or catcher two for you, I should say, or is he kind of getting a little long in the hair? We, we always – he does just enough to stay on the periphery of that. Um, I, I'm curious to see 
what people are going to project his batting average to be, because that's going to be a little bit, because that was part of the juice with getting him as a, as a second catcher or back when he was, you know, a lead catcher. Um, I don't know. For some reason, I feel like no one's talking about Posey, but he might be the guy in that range I would prefer over Yachty. No, it's funny you mentioned that. I can't remember what show I was doing, if it was one of mine or someone else's. This was the first season, I think, in my entire time of Posey being a professional athlete, I have Posey on rosters already because yeah, he's, fin- he's, finally, he's finally fallen finally enough. Price. Yeah, he's finally fallen enough. I'm like, okay, I don't care he doesn't hit 15, home, 15 20 homers. He's going to hit 280 plus, and we're good. I'm like, <laughs> this is what he's going to do. So it's interesting. And he hits in the heart of the lineup. Yep. You're going to drive I mean, in at least. Hit the bat three, four, five. I mean, that's, yep. that's a rarity. So perfect. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's intriguing. So I'm with you. And they do go around the same time in drafts. So I've been going Buster over Yachty. Uh, on the projection sites, have him around 250 to 260. So it's not horrible, but no. you're just waiting for that other shoe to drop eventually with Yachty. It, it, father time always wins. So eventually it's coming. Um, let's go to another bullpen situation. The Reds, um, we'll get into the, Well, we could do it now if you want to, but there's there was um, Lucas Sims versus Amir Garrett. Now Sims got the elbow issue. That might be a concern. They went and signed Sean Doolittle, who's working on a new pitch. What's your thoughts on Doolittle? What's your thoughts on this Reds bullpen situation? Well, for me, I mean, I have not started any drafts yet. I might dip my toes into like uh, one of the NFBC 50s just to get get a feel for things, you know, especially with the TGFBI coming around the bend and some other stuff. I really want to start getting tangible information like what will I do in a draft. Um, I, I will probably start out avoiding this bullpen with the distant memory of, you know, remember in 2018 when we were all clamoring for Josh Hader to be the closer mm-hmm. and guess who the pitching coach was that year? Derek Johnson. Who's the pitching coach in Cincinnati? Derek Derek Johnson. Johnson. They had in 2018, they had three guys record 15 or more saves. That was Jeffress, uh, Corey Knable when he was healthy and then Josh Hader. So it, I think it was like 16, 15, 15. So it was almost an exact even split. I could see something very similar to this morphing in Cincinnati and, and, you know, having Doolittle there gives them insurance in case Garrett struggles. Um, and it lets him, you know, get back, get back into the groove possibly in a setup role. And then maybe he would work into save opportunities. I have a hard time believing he would go to Cincinnati with them saying you won't get any. So I, I think it's going to be a constant stream during the, during the season based on who's doing what and health, um, you know, I've been an Antone fan, but if he ends up in like a swing role or a piggyback where he's pitching like the, uh, the fourth and fifth inning for guys and vulturing wins, I'm okay with that. So like, I- I'm all right taking Antone at where he's going in drafts just because I might look into some saves. I might look into some wins and I'm going to get some ratio protection with uh strikeout upside. I mean, right now, everyone, I mean, Garris, the, you know, clubhouse leader, but you know, it, we have to see spring and we have to see what happens. You know, I, I love the guy's energy. He took on a whole dugout by himself, but um, I'm going to let somebody else uh, try and guess this in a league where I can't make moves. You know, and in a league where I can trade and make waiver moves, I might be more willing, but I want to see what's going on in March before I really invest too heavily in that bullpen. Yeah, I don't blame you. I like the Amir Garrett comment there because they always say to be a, a good closer, you got to be a little different in the head. Well, when you're taking on the entire dugout, when you run to the dugout, you're probably a little different in the head. So um, that's definitely something to keep in mind there. We've seen those guys. 
Um, Doolittle, I like the, the the point you make is they brought him in for a reason. If it's either to give Garrett some stability or to, to take some saves here and there, you wouldn't be shocked if he got five to ten saves, like you said. Nope. Um, Lucas Sims, though, this stuff is electric. Mm-hmm. How concerned are you with this potential like elbow situation? So these are things we don't know. Like, you know, we hear the report and then he he tweets out, I'll be ready opening day. Well, we yeah. don't know that. Um, that. You know, he puts a lot of strain on that elbow, snapping off all of those pitches. So, again, that's that's why at least, you know, in about three to four weeks, we'll have tangible, vis- you know, visual information. We can watch him throw in a spring game. We can see what the readings are. We can see how he's snapping off the pitches and – Hopefully, hopefully he's healthy. I mean, yes, I, I, I love Lucas Sims stuff. Um, he's, he's emerging as a reliever, but you know, it, it, you got to show me. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and there's, there's a good thing you mentioned there that I've been saying that's so hard all last season. We didn't have a spring training. We didn't really have beat reporters. We didn't have any of this stuff to kind of feed us information, which we're going to have shortly. Like, heck, um, I saw a video about an hour ago on Twitter Brandon Nimmo was the first guy to show up at Mets camp and he did an interview talking about what he did all offseason. I'm like, we didn't get any of that last year. Yep. Like, this is like huge information just to get an idea on where people's heads are at, what they're going to do. And like you said, you read the Andrew Baggerly stuff. We didn't get that stuff last year. Like, these are little like things that are going to go a long ways to getting us ready to get rolling. Um, the Rangers and A's made a trade here uh, over the weekend. It was kind of an interesting trade because it kind of helped out two players that maybe needed a new fresh air situation. Mm-hmm. Um, the A's needed a shortstop with Simeon going to Toronto. So they get Elvis Andrus, who all of a sudden might not have been playing. Now he's back, got a little speed, maybe a little pop. He's going to be hitting and playing every day. So what's your thoughts on Andrus now? At already deep shortstop position, but you can get him pretty late in drafts. Yeah, same same idea here. So, you know, everyone's price could be right. So if I, if I needed a middle infield and it's getting to the range where he is, you know, and obviously his ADP is going to move up a little bit. I, I might be willing to reach for him if, if stolen bases is a need. And um, I, I've seen many more people talk about it, and it's something I've – a thought process I've subscribed to for a while is, you know, every draft is different. So if, if your team needs something, go get it. You know, so I, I – <clears throat> in the past I've been too cute. I'm like, oh, I'll get him next round on the way by. And then somebody takes him, and then you get sniped, and you're on tilt. Yeah, I – need to stop doing that stuff. You got to get it. We got to get out of our own way. So if that's something that I want, then I'll go get it. Now, if, if I read that he's going to be hitting uh, near the top of the order, that adds more intrigue because now you're talking more counting stats as far as, you know, runs and things of that nature. And he might be more prone to run up there. So if they, if they turn him, I mean, the A's are going to have to manufacture some runs this year. So that'll be interesting to see. I'm much more interested in Andrew's part than I am the, the Chris Davis part with the K and mentioning the Chris Davis part with the K now he goes to, to Texas, obviously that's an interesting situation. I'd imagine he's going to play every day. We've seen the ballparks, maybe not as great as it once was. Are you still just a, a full avoid on him or what are we thinking here? Yeah. See, I mean, I hope nobody says, Hey, he hits this in Texas. Well, that was at the former park. So we don't know. We're still learning how this new park plays. Um, and a lot of it is, is affected by, is the roof open or closed? And those of us that play DFS learn that fast. So mm-hmm. um, we, we, you have to not only figure that out, but you have to bake that in when, when you're assessing him. So it used to be the joke was, well, Chris Davis is 247. Now fantasy owners would, would die for that. So I, there, there's, again, just like Duvall, there's too many guys in that mold that I would rather have that are younger with similar flaws that I'd rather take a chance on. It's a young man's game. 
Yeah, it definitely is. And he's a, he's a tough one. Like I was liking the idea of giving him a shot, but now it's things got a little, little, little bleaker there. Uh, let's go to Arizona. Another closing situation here. I'm a huge Joaquin Soria fan. I had him in a lot of deep leagues last year because he'd get you good innings, get you a save here or there, get you some wins. He's very productive for the A's. Now he goes to Arizona where there's kind of some question marks of Crichton there and, and some other situations um, of who was going to really be the, the guy. Looks like Sori is it for now. Um, are you a fan of him maybe getting the, the bulk of the saves there for now, or what's your thoughts on Soria? Uh, remember last year when all of us were going, oh, I took Brandon Kinsler and I just feel guilt. I feel dirty. And then he, <laughs> then he racked up 12 saves, which tied for fourth in the majors. Um, I think Soria could be in the same boat now. Uh, you know, maybe we'll call him the dirty Soria, but <laughs> whatever it's going to be, um, they're saying it's going to be a competition between him and Crichton. Um, but both beat writers that I've been reading are both saying it's Soria's job to lose. Uh, Hazen, they're, they're saying Hazen always, every year that Hazen's been there, a different person has led the team in saves. So this, this would just be keeping pace uh, with that, with that tenant. And um, I think he has the experience. Then now Crichton's more of a backup plan. Um, one arm I'm really watching there is John Duplantier because they haven't really decided if he's going to be a starter or a reliever. I think him going down to two pitches and being a reliever might sustain his health a little better. And if he gets into that bullpen at the beginning of the season by the second half, if they decide they want to trade Soria and continue uh, rebuilding, if they can't catch the Padres and Dodgers, which without expanded playoffs, I don't think they can. Um, that would be a chance where maybe he even usurps Crichton and takes it over because I think he has more electric stuff. Crichton's very good at avoiding hard contact, but I, I think you know somebody else with upside would be able to leapfrog him if if Saria gets moved. But you know it's like a rodeo you you, you take Saria and, you, and you, you ride him and you hope you get ten to twelve saves and if they trade him, uh, then you can adjust. Yeah, that that's the biggest thing is uh, we we got to imagine he's there basically to occupy some time and then likely if things go well, get traded, but mm-hmm. um, we'll see how that goes. I like the Duplantier comment because he's a guy I was drafting places like a year or so ago. Cause he's got the prospect pedigree and they thought he's gonna be mm-hmm. really good. It seemed like they kind of yo-yoed him a lot. It really, he really never got comfortable. So it's, it will be interesting. Do they put him in the pen? Cause he's got some, some heat if he wants to, or does he go to the starting situation? So it'll be quite interesting. Uh, let's go to Atlanta. They bring back Marcelo Zuna who, Coming off a monster short season campaign, um, he was getting drafted in the top, you know, 35, 45 picks, give or take. Is he still a top end outfielder for you, or are you just kind of like, yeah, it's it's tough to uh, see him duplicating the situation? I, I loved his price last year. Uh, yeah, I screamed that from the mountaintops in fantasy alarm articles. I was like, you know, Statcast, blah blah blah, all these things point to he's going to bust out, and then it did happen. Um, and then, of course, everybody reacts to it, and it changes his his price point in drafts and auctions. So um, I'm happy he's back in Atlanta because he's happy there. Uh, I'll take it on a draft-by-draft basis. I'm not going to say I won't take him, but um, he seems to be landing in a spot where you might be getting a second pitcher or you're you're looking at a couple of other areas. So it's really just going to depend. That's why I'm, I have to sit down this weekend one day and just kind of go through and look at stuff and say, okay, you know, just pocket stuff and be like, okay, I like A, B, and C here. I like A, B, and C here and make those decisions. So I do like Azuna and I love the fact that he can rack up the RBIs. I mean, his batting average is going to migrate to the mean. 
Um, I don't think he can hit that high of an average over a full season, but you know, if he gives me 285 and, and, and the home runs and the RBIs, then, you know, I'm okay with it. But uh, again, I'm just, I, I need to really, really sit down and break down. Is there other guys similar to him at a lower price point than I might be able to uh, zag to if, if that's the case? Yeah. And that's one of the biggest things with Ozuna. Cause you know, just over the last month since January 15th, He's a 14th outfielder off the board to pick 54. So it's like you got him and you got Randy Rosarena going right by him. Do you want the young potential over Ozuna? Uh, there's guys like Trent Grisham and it's, it's, it's Oscar Hernandez is there. Some interesting situations. So in that thing right now, I might be going closer. Closer. Especially, especially in a league that is not uh, that that's drafting, you know, draft and hold. Yeah. Uh, um, Walk in the sure thing with the saves. Yep. Yeah. There's sense. about four. There's four horsemen. Four guys that are kind of secured, and everything else is like a mess. So, uh, you get one of those guys, then I'm not trying to figure out. Do I can take a chance on Saria later as my third closer, as opposed to trying to s- scrap together a bunch of guys in 50-50 situations and, and hope for the best. No, I like that quite a bit. Uh, Jock Peterson. Jock Jams is headed to Chicago to play for the Cubs. Kind of an interesting situation. You know, they get rid of Schwarber. They don't re-sign Schwarber. They bring in Jock Peterson for like $3 million less. Um, they pretty much – they said they're going to let him play every day, even versus lefties. We'll see. But he's going around pick 330. Is this uh, appealing to you if Jock gets everyday playing time? <laughs> I prefer him better in leagues where I had daily moves rather than yeah. the NFBC where I have to decide because – if, if I've got him on a, on a, a Monday through Thursday and they're facing two lefties, I don't know if I want him in there. So um, I think format really depends on that. I'm okay. It's just amazing how things change. He just, when he came up from the minors, you, him and Springer were supposed to be 30, 30 guys and the stolen bases just never translated for either one of them in the major leagues. But um, you know, Springer made the adjustments to hit for higher average. Jock never really did. He's an on-base. Now, in an on-base league, I'd be more interested. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. And, and it's, I asked somebody the other day, I mean, gun to your head, who who finishes higher on a player rate this year, Schwarber or Peterson? I just think it's Schwarber, but I've always been team Schwarber to begin with. I just but, think Schwarber can finish higher because he's in a better situation. Yeah. That's fair enough because otherwise they are very similar. You've got all the stat lines. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Very, yeah. very similar. They're almost like it's the, it's it's the Spider Man meme. Spider Man meme. It's almost the same exact thing if you didn't know any better. Um, but yeah, it's like Schwarber's going to be hitting cleanup or at least in the top four, probably in a pretty decent lineup with Soto and company. So I'm with you there. Uh, the Detroit Tigers, they bring back Jonathan Scope. And Jonathan Scope is never the sexy play, but he's going to hit towards the top of the Detroit li- lineup. He's going to hit you at 250 to 260. He's going to hit you 20-plus home runs. And right now, if you're looking at drafts, he's the 39th shortstop off the board. He's gone as high as pick 302 now, so he's, he's moving up since things have uh, taken place over the last few weeks. But uh, is Scope a guy? There seems like there's like an army of people that love Jonathan Scope, and there's a group that's like, you know what? He's on the Tigers. I don't want to deal with it. So where, what's your thoughts on Scope? Well, it's funny. I mean, you, you can't be against them for being on the Tigers because everybody loved C.J. Crone last year. Exactly. I'm not against them. Like, oh, no, I'm, I'm just saying. Oh, no. You see all yeah. the stuff on, in the oh, Twitterverse, yeah. and you're like, uh, so here's the deal. You know, it's and I think of him more as a second baseman, but if, if you miss out, like, once it gets past kind of Kettle Marte and you don't have a second baseman, then you're looking at guys like Starling Castro and Jonathan Scope who are pennies on the dollar – they're going to hit near the middle of the lineup 
give you some power and 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 decent you know stuff across the board. I mean, I have no issue with ending up with either one of them if I if I miss out. You know, if I'm if I'm chasing a, a closer and I miss out at second base, or I decide to get a pitcher where it's Ozzy Albies coming off the board. So and, and again, it would kill me because I love Albies, but you know, then now I'm looking at Jose Altuve in round ten, and I'm going is Albies round three if Altuve's round ten. So I, I'm struggling a little with that one, but um, just to get back to your question, I'm okay with scope. The guy's OPS went up the last each of the last two years, and his and his pay went down. It's a it's a tough it's a tough living out there. It, it's crazy watching. So like you mentioned, scope. Um, we're gonna talk about Renato Nunez in a minute. His new teammate. Um, it's crone every year. There's a group of guys that produce year in and year out, and they just keep making less money. Like to us, they're still making a ton of money, but for the baseball landscape, it's like. <laughs> Like, come on! Like, what's going? Yeah, well, yeah. What's, what's wrong with the They're doing pretty well. Yeah, I'm jealous. Yeah. Uh, but it's just like, you know, like, ah, come on, guys! Like, give him some love here. But uh, speaking of his teammate Renato Nunez, who you saw mash two years ago for 30 plus home runs with Baltimore, hits 12 home runs in a shortened season last year with Baltimore. Now he heads to Detroit. Um, in the last couple of weeks, he's gone as high as pick 268 now in drafts. 42nd first baseman off the board. That's moving up as well because people see that power source, like you mentioned with scope. It's like the whole idea is like out. We love Albies, but then you can go Altuve later, or you go to these other guys. Where is the production really? What you're gonna not take? What you're gonna take where Albies is is the production variance. You know, making sense. So with Nunez now, is this a guy that you can you know wait on as a late late first baseman, corner infield option? Does he appeal to you at all? Um. I- Draft dependent, yeah. There's definitely, uh, you know, I, I will move him up. So um, I think I have to turn in my ranks by Monday to fantasy alarm. So that'll be our first run. Um, they're actually, I'm uh, moving up in the world. So it's going to be Bender's, mine, and uh, Ronis are all going to be published nice. on the site, which is cool. Um, so to be even in the conversation with two guys who just won an FSWA award for uh, their podcast, Andy Up on, on our site. So that's that's pretty high high company for me. So. Um, I remember when Adam Ronas followed me back because we did a mock draft together on Bender's draft army before I was even working for Fantasy Alarm. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I got Ronas to follow me. So, but anyways, staying with the point, uh, Nunez, yes. So definitely. And again, we want to know where he's going to hit, but as long as he's five or higher, then definitely. Because, you know, we want guys that are hitting higher in those order. We need those plate appearances to get the counting stats. So again, even the Tigers may not be great, but they still have to score runs, right? Yeah, exactly. And, like the Tigers, the Orioles, a lot of these bad baseball teams, they still are very fantasy relevant at times. The Royals, like they have groups of guys that DFS you play all the time. And, and the Royals fantasy. are being sneaky. Yeah, I like what the Royals are doing. Like we don't have any of their – a bevy of arms coming up. Yeah, we don't have anything on this list about them. But, oh, actually we do, the very last one. We'll get, so we'll get to them in a minute. But um, <laughs> Milwaukee Brewers, they went and grabbed Colton Wong. I think this is a – for a team that we kind of sometimes, at least I, question what they're doing when they're building their team, they always feel like a slow-pitch softball team. They're throwing guys out that can hit bombs, but they might not fit type situation. Colton Wong is the best second baseman defender the last two years. Mm-hmm. Um, replaces probably the worst second baseman defender in Keston Hira. It was Keston Hira to first, where now his hitting profile with the, the rough average lately almost fits nicely. Um, and then Colton Wong can lead off in, in a much better hitter's ballpark. So, as you can tell from me, I'm a fan of Colton Wong going to Milwaukee. What's your thoughts? Uh, same. You know, when, when that deal went down, uh, you know, obviously Wong has great splits hitting in Miller Park. He doesn't get to hit the Brewers pitching anymore. But um, that ballpark's made 
Actually, it's not Miller Park anymore. I forgot about that. The whole JJ Watt tweet. That oh, yeah. uh, but you know the the new Milwaukee ball. Well, Milwaukee's ballpark. I don't know the name. Off I don't the top even of know the name of it either. Clay Wink can yell at us later, but um, it's it's made for lefties. So any lefty going there now, Wong's not a big power guy, but if this gets him to ten to twelve home runs and he steals twenty bases, then boom! Now all of a sudden we're much more interested. And as you mentioned, if he can hit leadoff, we're even more interested because he doesn't have his splits against lefties and righties are almost almost in lockstep. So it's not like he dominates one side, one one pitcher handedness or the other. And again, so anybody that gives us speed and all of a sudden now, if he does hit near hit at or at the top of the lineup, that that runs category, which people often overlook, uh, really ticks up. So if he if he can get you 90 plus runs with the 10 and 20, eh, sign me up, even if if it's 270, I don't care. That's 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 gold right now in this climate. Yeah, and the thing is, the average, like you said, is not going. It might not be great. It really hasn't been superb most of his career. He's had two really good years, and the rest are kind of like okay. But he's been phenomenal OBP wise. Like he's very, mm-hmm. very good OBP. Like you said, now you put him in line to hit with Lorenzo Cain at the top, who's another good table setter. Maybe a Christian Yelich back, bounce back. Then you got Keston Hira, got Abby Garcia that we've seen life from. Wong might get a ton of runs, like you said. If he can steal some bags, mm-hmm. there's. I'm a big fan of. It. I wrote an article at Roto Baller, and the more I kept digging in and digging in on his numbers and the kind of things that might have went wrong last year, the way I saw it at least, I'm like, he's not that far from clicking back to two years ago where he was crushing the baseball. Well, so don't forget the Cardinals had that goofy layoff yeah. where they missed time and then they had to come back and play doubleheader after. I mean, you can't get your feet under you. You lie around for two weeks and then you're playing doubleheaders three nights, three times a week. And of course, yeah. if you know a funk, you're screwed. Yeah, no, I've said pretty much majority. I think if not all Cardinals, I'm kind of just writing off. Like you guys just, you guys had, you didn't just catch COVID. You had a just disastrous COVID schedule. Like you're just, you're off the list for this year. Don't worry about it. Um, the Cleveland Indians, they signed Eddie Rosario. Another interesting, like people were shocked when the Twins didn't bring him back. Then the, the the Indians got him on what seems like a pretty friendly deal overall. A nicer ballpark for him to maybe hit in for as a lefty as well. So what's your take on Rosario going to, Cleveland, where now that lineup looks a little better than it used to. <laughs> well, it's good news for Jose Ramirez. At least yeah. you know somebody in that lineup with him. Um, yeah, you know, uh, same thing. Now the Indians aren't a bad team because they have tons of pitching. So you know uh, that bullpen could be a headache. But um, other than that, you know, it's I you know, and I know Toby's a he's got the whole meme with the with the eagle eyes there. So. Can't speak ill of Eddie Rosario on anything is near associated with him, but yeah, I, no, Rosario's underappreciated all the time. So again, if he's around and you need an outfielder that's going to give you solid stuff across the board and maybe even six to eight stolen bases, then then it's a bonus. Yeah, definitely, I'm with you on that. So I'm intrigued by him, especially at his draft costs. He's he's not breaking the bank by any means. Uh, the Twins staying in the in the division. Uh, Rosario's former team. They did some inter- something interesting. It's like they have Taylor Rogers, but you mentioned the Twins like to – Baldelli likes to throw them for different situations, a couple innings here and there. So Roma would run in the saves and everything. So they go and sign Alex Colome, who I've always loved because no one loves him, it seems like, in drafts, and he gets the job done time and time again. Where does he slot in for Minnesota? How many saves? Like Obviously, you can't predict a number, but is it like 50-50 with Rogers, or is he the main guy? No, it, it's – None of the above. Uh, I estimate about 60-40, and it's going to be just like uh, the the couple of bullpens we've already talked about, and we know Baldelli 
played for the Rays and and coached with the Rays, so he's he's not afraid to mix things up in high leverage. Um, you know, it stinks for the people that were taking Tyler Duffy early, thinking he was going to be uh, Robin to Taylor Rogers' Batman, but now uh, now now Colome is Batman and Rogers is Robin. So um, we just kind of adjust on the fly, and it doesn't mean Tyler Duffy can't get like three to five saves during the season. Um, you know, they're going to win ball games. So, uh, and, and they played close games last year, and I think that trend's going to continue. So, that's how I'm handling it. So, yeah, I, I would go sixty forty. Or if you want to put Duffy in there, then you're talking uh, what fifty five thirty five ten. However, you want to, you know, get that Duffy. math out there. There's a reason I teach phys ed and not math. Little Duffy splash. Um, yeah, Colome. Col- oh, there he is. Uh, he's gone as high as pick 127 since the acquisition, so that's actually moving up the board there pretty solidly. And then you got Rodgers. To, to me, that's too rich. for Rodgers going as high as 92. Yeah, I mean, that, that's okay. I mean, but column A at 127, I mean, uh, you're talking, what, 20 to 22 saves if it's a 60-40? No. I don't know. So, yeah, it gets a little tricky. He was a high a little... strikeout guy, sure, but that's not yeah, his. Definitely not his forte. He's a cutter ground ball guy, and having Simmons there helps him. So that that all that should keep from too much regret regression in ERA, but it's still going to move more towards the two five zero three range or low threes rather than the the under one like he had last year. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, the last acquisition we're going to talk about here it happened on uh, Wednesday night. The Boston Red Sox and the Kansas City Royals and technically the Mets, but that's kind of a wishy washy situation for this conversation. Uh, made a trade, and the big piece, well, one of the depends on who you talk to. Andrew Benintendi goes to the Royals. Maybe change of scenery helps there. Franchi Cordero, another new team, goes to Boston. So what's your thoughts on those two? Um, do we buy into a Benny bounce back? Or is it great for Franchi? What do you think? Uh, I would rather be on Team Benny in this one. Um, I don't know. I, it seems like every year it's going to be the breakout for Franchi, and that's just uh, – and if they decide to platoon him or whatever, I mean, if Franchi was a, a pull hitting right-handed hitter, I'd be more intrigued. But, um, you know, Fenway's okay down the right field line, but it, it's made to be, you know, a Franchi hit off of the green monster had an opposite field swing maybe. But, uh, no, nah, I'll go with Team Benny here. Now we want to see where he's going to hit in, in Kansas City because I don't think they're going to take Mondesi out of the two-hole. Um, so, you know, he's, he might be slotted in sixth. So you take a little hit on runs and RBIs there, as opposed to hitting near the top of the Red Sox lineup. So you have to bake that in. Uh, but you know, again, anybody that can give you a chance at 2020, uh, past pick 200, you have to be interested. Yeah. And Ben and he's going, he's the 62nd outfielder off the board. He's gone as high as 210. He's going around guys like, um, Chris Taylor, Austin Hayes, Kalenic. Tapia, Margot, Profar. It's like all of a sudden Benny kind of stands out there to me as an interesting option. Uh, Franchi as low as two or as high as 291. And this Royals lineup, like we were talking about the Tigers and these other teams, it, the roster resource is not the end all be all right now. But if this is kind of how it looks, Merrifield, Monacy, Salvi, Santana, Soler, Benny, Dozier as your top seven, that's going to score some runs. That's good. And, you know, Dozier, Dozier's flying under the radar, too, because oh, he was somebody people loved last year, but he had a little battle with COVID himself, and his numbers kind of got depressed. So, um, you know, I, I think he can bounce back and play in third base, might make him more comfortable when instead of having Michael Franco over there. 
and, and if he is healthy and he he steals a few more bases, his value uh, increases appreciably as a result. No doubt about it. Uh, before we get into the bullpen discussion, I asked uh, Michael Simeone this on the last show regarding starting pitching. You could do it pitching, hitting, whatever angle you want to take here. <laughs> With this news of the dead in baseball, how has that affected your uh, – baseball analysis for drafts, I should say, because, you know, there's there's some approach where it's like it's going to be even throughout the league, but then there's some like fly ball pitchers, this, that, and the other. How are you looking at it? I don't want to get too crazy into it. Um, you know, it was funny because with baseball being shut down last year for Fantasy Alarm, uh, another writer and I took the lead doing the KBO stuff, and they had a similar circumstance. Um, so, you know, it, some of the hitters were still okay. Some of the hitters were really affected by it. So uh, I, I think somebody had a great thread today. I was looking at with, with guys that um, had lower exit velocities that if you're losing five feet on a fly ball uh, might suffer in, in the home run range. So that's something I'm really going to have to dig my teeth into uh, and just reevaluate a few players. But I, I you know, guys who are hitting with the exit velocities and, and getting the ball in the air, uh, and line drives and, and, you know, Alex Chamberlain's wonderful article about blast. Uh, I think it really almost makes you kind of focus on something like that, even more like the, the guys who are giving you those blasts, the optimal, uh, bad at ball data. Um, th- those are people that might actually move up a little bit in, in their value in this, in this environment. But, you know, it's, it's we know strikeouts are going to happen. We know stuff, there's going to be some fly balls. And I saw another intriguing thing where guys who, use the center of the field like Nelson Cruz. He, he hits a lot to the center of the field. He's not a pole home run hitter um, solely. So um, if he's losing five feet, you know, at different parks, it, a few of those home runs might become flyouts, which changes his batting average and changes his home run totals, not to mention he's turning 40. So, again, I, I love Nelson Cruz, but um, these are things we do have to assess. So you really need to look at the guy's spray charts and see – where, where is he hitting those home runs? And if it's a lot to center field, you might have to plan on three or so less. Yeah, I remember when uh, Mookie Betts came to L.A., he was a big guy. A lot yeah, of that, was, field. that was one of the main um, people in the article saying Betts would lose, you know, from last year to this year, he would lose, I think it was estimated at six and a half home runs or whatever. They, the thing came out, so it would probably be six. But six home runs mm-hmm. is a big difference. Time, big time. So, be interesting to monitor. I'm not smart enough to put all that together, but I think that the more important, one of the other important things that I saw that really surprised me was uh, more ballparks. I think it's four or five more going to have humidors this year. So, like, can we just do a list? Just tell us. Yeah, I mean, is it that hard? No, and I, I keep this, saying this isn't like it's the codes to the nuclear things. Just, just tell us what parks have a humidor, and then we can we can go. Okay, well, that makes sense. That's when they're watching the game going, boy, that was a home run last year. Why isn't it this year? Is it the baseball? It could be the humidor. Last year, like it was Boston, like three other places got him. We didn't even know about it until midseason. I was like, oh, that's sweet. Um, I I said, why don't we just put one in every ballpark and then you adjust all their settings so that their climate matches the settings so that every baseball is the same in every ballpark. Let's just go. Don't don't make sense with baseball. (laughs) What are you thinking? I know, I know. Well, if, if they want to deaden the ball and get rid of home runs, let's just make it flat across the board then. Um, let's go to the bullpens. And I, I told you before in our, our, our messages that we'll, we'll go through each team. Obviously, certain ones are pretty much locked in, so we don't have to go crazy on those. But we've already, and we've already hit on some of the, the more interesting situations as they are. But we'll kind of go through them all real quick, 
answer some listener questions that will get covered in a lot of this. But uh, we'll start in the American League. And uh, we'll start with Baltimore. Start from the top here. You got Hunter Harvey and you got Tanner Scott are the two guys you have highlighted as a, a timeshare situation. Hunter Harvey went into 2020 as the guy, got hurt. Tanner Scott looked really good towards the end of last year. How are you uh, approaching the Baltimore situation? Uh, with trepidation. So I was all over Harvey last year and he broke my heart. Um, I, the guy's got to stay healthy. I mean, but, you know, we're, we're in a prove me, prove, prove it to me year. Uh, with Hunter Harvey. So he's got he's got to stay on the mound. And I'm not sure. Um, I, I think Jim Bonin coined the phrase one time I was listening to him talk about uh, a player's DNA for health. And, and it kind of made sense. You know, some guys are able to stay healthy and some guys can't. So can Harvey stay healthy this year? And, and it all starts in the spring. So we're going to watch his we're going to watch his velo and the other stuff. And hopefully he can build up and get back to where he was. Uh, we still just have to worry a little bit about those walk rates. Um, I know you're not going to want to hear this, but if I had to pick between Scott or Harvey for more saves this year, I'm I'm on Team Scott. I, I don't want to hear it because I love Tanner or Hunter Harvey, but I, I will be honest because I've been doing – I think I've done like two DCs and like four of the NFPC 50s and some best balls, and I have way more Tanner Scott right now. He's going later in drafts. I'm just like grabbing him late, like round the rounds 40 to 50. I'm picking him up. And uh, seeing where it goes. So I wouldn't be shocked with you either. I'm right there. Um, Boston Red Sox, they went and traded for Adam Ottavino. They have Matt Barnes, who's it's a roller coaster ride, but he gets the job done. They have Brazier. They have Darwinian, Darwinson Hernandez, who I think could be interesting, but that's just mm-hmm. me. It's going to take time with him. I think he could be a future. Maybe it's not this year, but down the line. And then Matt Andrees. So how are you approaching Boston with Ottavino coming to town? Well, Andrews is probably going to play a similar role like he did with the Angels where he's going to do multiple innings and he could get a three-inning save. Um, I could see that. Uh, they, they, they're they not going to keep Adovino all year at $9 million. So they, they took Adovino because they wanted the other kid attached in that trade to get him into the minor league system. So it was like, we'll, we'll take your problem if you give us that prospect. So they're going to showcase, I I think they're going to showcase Adovino as much as they can early and then try and flip him to a contender. So um, same thing as like Minnesota. This could end up being a 60-40 share between Adovino at 60 and Barnes at 40, or one of them implodes in the spring and the other guy gets to run away with it. Uh, I think Brazier, he had really good strikeout rates coming down the stretch, but I think he's one of those guys that's just – He's more comfortable in the seventh or eighth inning. I don't know if the ninth inning is the right place for him. So that that that's how I handle it, which means right now I'm probably not taking either. But that that's just me. Yeah, no, it's a very sticky situation. And to be honest, we, and, we also and Cora, to- Cora's on record saying he doesn't want he, he likes to be able to go with whoever. So remember <laughs> how he did all that with Workman and all that a couple of years ago. It makes so, it even more fun. Oh yeah. Uh, and I, I was gonna say, let's just be honest. How many games are the Red Sox actually gonna win? Like, I, I know they will. Those teams, you know, that's yeah. that's the other. I think the Orioles had the least amount of save chances the last three years of any franchise. So, oh, it's, man. <laughs> and then and then last year, the the save percentage of wins across baseball was down to forty eight point six. So that's yeah. less than half of the games last year that were wins had a save attached to it. So it's becoming cool. it's even more scarce than it's ever been. That's a great and then stat. You're going in, everybody copying the Rays roulette, and now it's just it's it, that that's why I have 
That's why I have work talking about closers all the time. That's why you're a busy, busy man trying to navigate the minefield. Uh, it's like running. It's worse than running backs in football almost. Mm-hmm. Um, Chicago White Sox. They went and signed Liam Hendricks. Pretty sure that's a set in stone deal, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the one, the one person I keep talking about there is uh, I love Crochet, not for saves, but um, same thing. If he's getting multiple inning outings and he's racking up a bunch of strikeouts, throwing 100 miles an hour. Um, that's somebody at his price point and those draft and holds I would love to have. So if there's a guy I don't like his matchup, I can put him on the bench. I can put crochet in, let him rack up a couple of strikeouts, and he might even steal me a win. So um, that's somebody I really like having around uh, on those teams as a, as a depth piece this year uh, when you're looking at guys to be ratio erasers. Kind of a Josh Hader before he started getting saves type guy. That's exactly what I wrote in one of the coffee and closer things. And I, I put it on Twitter one day and a guy was like, shh, you know, people, people don't want that price to go up. But uh, as long as that kid stays healthy, he's going to be electric in that bullpen. Yeah, he's going as high as 330 over the last couple of weeks. So um, he, people are noticing him, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, let, let's head to Cleveland now where James Karinchak is uh, is in line for potential saves. Everyone wanted that last year. Here's your chance. But you have Nick Whitaker in there. I've grabbed some shares of him late. Emmanuel Clausse throws gas. Some people want to. Throw him in the mix. He throws a 100-pound sinker that with movement. So here, here's my biggest worry with and, – and, again, Karinchak is like I, – I, I screamed about Hater years back before he got really big. I love Special K, um, but I've read two different beat writers, Mandy Bell um, and the other guy's name is escaping my brain right now, Zach Mizell on the 15-minute uh, thing with Al Melchior on uh, The Athletic. Both of them said they would not be surprised if Karinchak is the stopper, which means he goes into the highest leverage moment like Andrew Miller used to do. And they said the Cleveland as an organization believes in that more than a closer, which is why they're willing to let hand go. So if, if, if Karinchak really is the stopper and they have not anointed him as the closer and, and believe me, I love him, but he's the fifth. I think he's the fifth closer taken in most drafts right now. As much as I love Karinchak, I don't know if I'm willing to do it. I, I know it's a gambler's it's a gambler's world, but I'm, I'm those two things just make me nervous. It's not his stuff. He can strike out people with anybody, and he's got filthy stuff, and he's got the mentality. But if they truly do use him as a stopper, now you're talking about ten saves instead of thirty saves, and that's that that really changes his valuation. So. We really got to watch that. So Wickren could get it. And he's, you know, Nick Wickren's the only pitcher right now in Cleveland making over a million dollars. Probably one of the only like five players making over a million dollars in that okay, team. So, so guess who is likely to get traded if he's pitching well? Yeah, Nick Wickren. How do you showcase him? Yep, exactly. Throw him in the ninth. Uh, it makes sense because also when it comes down to being stingy, when um, arbitration comes up, we don't want Karen Chat coming to the table with all these saves. We Believe can't talk me, about I, this. I hope I'm wrong, but if I'm it's right, the Indians. Yeah, if I'm right, that's not good. Yeah, it's thanks because he's going as high as pick seventy-two right now. So that's uh, again the guys. He could be a top three closer right now if they let him do it. I just don't know if Cleveland will. That's tough. Uh, the Detroit Tigers. This is a mess. Well, because we don't know how many games to win, but just the whole situation. Brian Garcia, Gregory Soto, Jose Sanero. What are you doing with Detroit? Uh, if I'm, taking, if I'm taking a walk off pick, I'll, I'll, I'll take a chance on Cisnero and, and see what happens. Um, in dynasty formats, you're going to keep tabs on Zach Hess. Um, he, he, he got a lot of pub last year at the alternate site. The, 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 
I, I saw his name more than once from different beat writers as a name to track. So um, I, I think it's going to be a fluid situation there all year. I don't think Garcia has the stuff to stay there all season. I know other people might believe in him, and I, I, I was able to get a couple of saves on him at the end of the year last year in the TGFBI, but it's not something I'm heavily invested in. So um, I, I would, if I did anything, I would take one of the the high upside plays late. I'm not going to pay for anybody at their present ADP. Otherwise Soto Soto's got a good arm too, but even in the, in the winter league, he still had 11 walks in his limited innings. Yeah. He's always a volatile walk piece. That's for sure. Uh, Houston Astros, you know, Ryan Presley got the job done last year. And only Paredes is a guy I've been circling the wagons on. Um, what are you doing with the Houston situation who should win a lot of ball games? So there should be some save situations. It, Presley did very well. Um, again, Brian McTaggart, and uh, there was a AL West roundtable on MLB.com published yesterday. And McTaggart keeps saying, you know, there's still a chance they bring in Rosenthal. Ooh. So, again, Presley was very, very good last year, but I still he, – he thinks the team sees Presley as a setup guy, not the man. So if Houston's going to spend any more money – it would be Rosenthal and Rosenthal might be a bargain right now because yeah. the team says, Hey, we'll give you a one year, 5 million, but you're the closer. I think he has to take it right now. Yep. Um, and there's only a couple of teams left that can do that with Detroit being one of them, but I don't think he would go back there after his first experience. Um, it could be like Pittsburgh could do it, but I don't know if they really would. Although their beat writers say that they're, they're going to try and get a, a closer cheap. So, but at Rosenthal and Houston, that that's a game changer if that could happen. So that that's another situation. I, I read the Houston beat writers every single day trying to get a feel for this because time's running short. Yeah, that'd be a wow. If Rosenthal went to Houston, that wasn't even one I was thinking of. That would be something else. Um, Kansas City, they bring back Greg Holland, who you think you, on paper should get the, the saves until they potentially trade him. They have Scott Barlow, who was decent last year. James Jesse Hahn was decent last year. I still love Josh Stolmont, but he's pretty much out of the mix for now. It's so a really good bullpen. I mean, yeah. again, people, if you're ignoring what Kansas City's doing here, and if they decide that this year they can't make the playoffs, they can deal a couple of those veterans like Hahn and Holland and get even more people for next year when all of those young pitchers are going to arrive and Bobby Witt Jr., who's going to be somebody I swoon over soon. So, yeah, that's it's cool, but uh, just like some of the other teams – I'd like to say Holland will, will have the majority share, but, you know, when he was hurt, Han got a couple, even though we all wanted it to be Barlow or Stallmont. If Stallmont could ever just figure out his command, then he could be a superstar, but we don't know. So there's a lot of variables there. So, again, that's that's why I keep saying I, I keep leaning more and more towards – I know Toby likes the the pocket aces – I might be getting pocket closers and then I can do whatever I want at those points. And later in the draft, when everyone's trying to figure out how to get saves, I'm plucking off pitchers and upside hitters. That'd be interesting to see how that pans out. Cause I like the idea because yeah, the early drafts I'm doing, if you, I'm trying to at least get like one of the, the, if you're near the wheel, you can hammer, you yes, know, closers. You, can get, you can get Hendricks and uh, Chapman and then everyone else is going to start scrambling. It, you know, it's, it's time to start being proactive, not reactive. Yeah, I'm trying to at least end with 
Iglesias or better with one of my closers. So it's yep. a, at least you're getting a solid foundation, and then yep. and you can take more chances. Then if Rosenthal signs, then I can hey, I can grab him as my number two. Yep. But again, it, not having one of those anchors is going to be very tough. difficult. Very tough. Uh, speaking of Iglesias, he's pretty much the man in uh, Anaheim. Any any other thoughts there? Uh, not too really. They, they've been talking to Roberto Osuna, but it hasn't really gotten legs. But even if he came in there, that would be a rehab and see what can happen because we all know Iglesias will be a free agent at the end of the year. That would be a long view, not not a threat to Iglesias. They're, they're going to run him out there. We know Madden will use him in that role. And Iglesias battled with Johnson because he didn't like when Johnson and Bell wanted to come in with the, you know, no defined roles, we're going to play high leverage. And Rizel was like, uh, no, not, not with me. I want to close. Yeah. So that's part of the reason he's gone. That's yeah, a good landing spot for him for sure. Uh, we already talked about Minnesota. Let's go to the Yankees. Chapman, pretty much the guy, but Britain's still there to maybe snipe a few. Uh, any, any, any desire for someone besides Chapman there? No, but it, uh Nice article today uh, on The Athletic by Lindsey Adler talking about um, he, he started bringing back the splitter last year. He only threw six of them. But, um, you know, with his with his fastball velo going down, uh, the splitter might be a pitch to help get his strikeout ticking back up again. And, and if you take Chapman, then you just have to take Britain about two rounds above his ADP to make sure you have your, your backup plan on the roster. So if something does happen with Chapman, you're, you're not rushing to the waiver wire or – um, somebody else has them on their draft and hold team, and you're cursing. Yeah, because we've seen that. Uh, we we know that when yeah. Britain takes over, that's such an elite spot. So you don't mm-hmm. want to miss out on that. Oakland, this has been a fun one. So you have Jake Diekman, who it sounds like is going to get the first crack. We have Birch Smith. You have J.B. Wendelkin, who people like. There's options there. How are you approaching Oakland? Yeah, it depends on who you read. Yeah. Because um, what one person was like, it's, it's Diekman and Smith. Another writer was – it could be Diekman and Wendelkin. Um, so there, there's one factor that's the same. So if you're looking at a 60-40 split, it seems like Diekman will be in the majority share of it. So at least if you take him, you know what you're getting. The other guys, the ancillary pieces, unless something becomes concrete, I'll probably avoid them. Um, a wild card there is I, I don't even think I have room on the list is uh, Wanderson Charles is a name I keep reading about as a young reliever uh, with, some, with, some, uh, with a live arm. Uh, another guy just needs to work on his command, so that could be a second-half guy uh, if Oakland does decide to, uh, to turn over the roster a little bit. Um, and I'm also intrigued if A.J. Puck ends up in the bullpen. Yes. Um, I, I don't think that's talked about enough. Um, so uh, if I'm drafting A.J. Puck this year, I'm drafting and hoping he's either in the hater crochet role we were talking about or – Maybe he ends up replacing Jake uh, Diekman if they trade him as as the closer uh, going down the end of the season if they decide he just can't hack it with the uh, injury issues at, at starting pitcher. I'm 100% on board with that. I was preaching that last year when he got hurt. I said, when they bring him back, just put him in the bullpen. Like mm-hmm. he, he looks like Josh Hader. We know he's got electric stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Just let him get his stuff back, and maybe in 22 or 23 you can stretch him out. But let right. him like use him in the back of the bullpen so he don't ruin him again. It makes that, too that's, much sense. that's how Chris Hale got started. Yeah, it makes too much sense. And then maybe you find a, something you really like there because remember, Hader was supposed to be a starter. Just remember mm-hmm. that. <laughs> so you never know. Um, Seattle Mariners, they went and traded for Rafael Montero. They had Kendall Graveman, who was okay last year. Andres Munoz should come back in a few months from injury. Um, is it the Montero show there, pretty much? Yeah, and the beat writers have said as much. So I'm okay with that. Um, and, and again, if you're, if you're taking them in a draft and hold, uh, 
I would back him up in Munoz just in case they do decide to deal him because I think Montero would be arbitration eligible. Uh, and, and Munoz, if he's – Munoz is just filthy if mm-hmm. we can keep that kid healthy. So he's coming back from Tommy John, so they don't have to rush him. Um, they did build up that bullpen a little bit. So uh, this could be an exciting team, the Mariners. You know, if they start out okay, you bring up Logan Gilbert, you bring up Kellenick. Mm-hmm. There's, there's some interesting stuff there. That's a really good farm system. I, I think – you know, if there was a team that was this year's Marlins, it might be the Mariners. It's a good call. They're close. They're real close. It, demands, it depends if they want to be aggressive or not. So it'll mm-hmm. be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, Tampa Bay, we know what they do. They use them all. Fairbanks, Anderson, Castillo. To me, Yeah, it's pretty much like – you tell me if I'm wrong. I feel like Anderson's probably like 40%, and then you just like get 30 to the each. But how do you look at it? <laughs> Well, it's it's just kind of crazy, but you know, and now this is becoming the standard. Teams are imitating them, and, and you just have to learn to deal with it. Uh, so, you know, if if you want a guy to protect your ratios and give you some strikeouts and occasional saves, then that's Anderson. And, and you know, his price is kind of normalized this year, so it's not as uh, overpriced as it used to be. He's kind of fallen back, I think, into the one thirties and one forties. So that's more tolerable if he gives you. 12 to 15 saves and gives you the great ratios, you're okay with it. You know, if you're, if you're trying to get to a, an 80 save plateau in your, in your league then, or, you know, 90 something, you got better have a better guy with them, but uh, depending on your 12 or 15 league size, but yeah. And that, and that's just what we're doing. You know, they had 12 different guys record a save last year. Now remember Brandon Kinsler was tied for fourth in the majors with 12 saves. The Rays had 12 different pitchers. <laughs> it's insane. Um, and their saves leader in the postseason was Pete Fairbanks, who didn't record one in the regular season. So if you want to dip your toe into that mess, if you want to take Anderson, that's fine. Um, if you want to take a late flyer on Fairbanks because you're hoping for five to ten, five to ten saves, that's fine. But otherwise, uh, it's very I'm very hesitant to invest too heavily into that bullpen. Let's just be glad Jose Alvarado's gone because that would just make it even more entertaining. So, uh, yeah, there'll be a new one. They'll find somebody else to fill oh, in. No doubt. no doubt about it. Uh, the Texas Rangers, Jose Leclerc looks to be locked in there. There's Jonathan Hernandez, there's Jolie Rodriguez. Um, what are you doing with Texas? Uh, if I'm taking Jose, like, say I do the the two big closers early and I take Jose Leclerc in, in the 300s, I'm intrigued by that because now I don't need him, but if he does do well. And then I've got a third good commodity, especially if you're playing in an overall, you could get a stranglehold on those saves and strikeouts from that position. Um, and then there's weeks if you're worried about where he's going, you can bench him. You don't need him. So to me, that's more alluring. But, you know, the, he he had he's had high highs and low lows. We just need Jose to get kind of in the middle and, and, and meet us halfway. And I think he could do all right. Um, we're just we're going to keep an eye on that shoulder, make sure he's he's throwing OK. And if his if he can cut his walk rate back down to a more uh, palatable rate, then I would be very interested in him. And, and Hernandez is another nice guy is a multi inning guy who can get you some strikeouts, some vulture wins, maybe a save here and there. He's very valuable in a draft and hold because he's another guy like Crochet. When you've got a pitcher, you don't go in the cores. You can flip Hernandez in there and absorb innings for you. That's a good call. Uh, last team in the American League, the Toronto Blue Jays. I was all in on Jordan Romano. Then they signed Kirby Yates. Um, what are you doing there? Obviously, Yates has the job for now, but what's your idea in, in Toronto? Well, uh, uh, someone I'm sure we both respect on Twitter, Rob Silver, who's very you know passionate about the Blue Jays. Um, 
he 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 said to me in a tweet that he figures you know Yates will be the lead dog, but the Blue Jays are not going to run him into the ground. So you know he's not going to do three in a row. So if he does two and there's a third save chance that next day, then it's going to be Romano. So there's still value in Romano. He can still get you you know seven to ten saves if they're really going to do that with Yates. And I, I can see it makes sense. And Toronto's another young team on the come. So as long as Yates is healthy. Um, he's, he's the majority. So this would probably be more of a, a 70, 30, 75, 25, but you know, where in leagues where every save matters, you can't forget about Romano because he, he was very good last year before that finger injury. Yeah. Very, very good. Um, before we go to the national league in the chat, Joe G has a question. Um, is Munoz worth, worth an IL stash? Andres Munoz. In a 12 team. I don't know that I want him yet as an IL stash. But um, it depends. If it's a keeper, sure. If it's not a keeper, I would probably wait and and keep that as a more fungible spot. As much as I okay. love Mooney, yeah, I think I think next year is the year for Munoz, just because. Mm-hmm. But the Tommy John, if they're not in it, why would they? They would baby him. No, back. they don't have to push him. Yeah, they they can just yeah. let him cut his teeth at the end of the year. So yeah, that, it's that, one of those. That's if that's a wait and see, we love like, him, but we gotta wait and see. Yeah, it's like his season starts in April. Of, you know, reports are good mid-May. Maybe go get them for a buck and fab, mm-hmm. like stuff like that. Keep an eye on that. Uh, National League, Arizona, we talked about Soria and Crichton there. Let's go to Atlanta. They have Will Smith. They have Chris Martin. There's still rumors that, like, Melanson might come back or something. Who knows? Um, what are you doing with the current situation in Atlanta? Pass. <laughs> that is very I'll fair. Let, let somebody else get the headache. Yeah, because yeah. – you know, I feel like, you know, Martin's very good. He has had some back issues in the past, but nothing major. But he's got very good ratios. He can get strikeouts, get ground balls. Will Smith, I mean, you saw firsthand what he could do when he was healthy. He mm-hmm. gets the COVID pass because last year was just goofy for him too. Um, you know, when you get outpitched by A.J. Minter, you know something was off with Will Smith. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of arms in there that could do okay and, and – uh, Mark Bowman tweeted out the other day, or maybe it was David O'Brien said, I wouldn't be surprised if the Braves had another reliever. And I think that's just leaving the door open for Melanson. If he can't get a deal he wants, they'll give him a, you know, one year, just like we were talking about a one year, four and a half, $5 million deal with incentives. And then he'll come in and siphon the state saves from the two guys that we're targeting right now. So, uh, but until I know something concrete, I'm, I'm avoiding that. Yeah, it's tricky. Let's go to Chicago. Craig Kimbrell looked back after they took him out for a bit. He didn't come back to closing, but he looked really good in the bullpen. I think someone said if he took out like his one or two bad outings, he was pretty much flawless last year. But um, what's your thought? Yeah, with a few people. But exactly, yeah. especially on the shortened season. So uh, what's your thoughts on Kimbrell in Chicago this year? The key to me to that is is um, – he did. They did find a mechanical flaw, and that's when he had that late season run with the strikeouts. With I think it was something ridiculous, like fifteen or sixteen strikeouts to one or two walks over his last uh, last last few outings. So, um, you know, Kimbrel Kimbrel will do okay. But again, if you already talked about the Cubs are in sell mode, they're they're gonna probably move Bryant um, if Kimbrel pitches well at the beginning of the year. Um, he did, he did have an escalator, but he's not going to be able to reach that games ended clause in his contract, but they're going to kick him out of town. So then they don't have to deal with it and he'll be a free agent next year anyway. So, um, another guy you're going to just like Saria, you know, get on the bowl in the rodeo, hang on for as long as you can. If he goes to a team and doesn't become the closer 
and then you just you you take what you got, cut your losses, and move on. But um, a, a person asked me the other day, would I take Kimbrel or Jansen? And I actually said Kimbrel, which surprised me. But uh, I'd rather be out a year too soon than a year too late, and that's how I feel about Jansen this year. Yeah, it's coming any moment. I'm with you there. Um, do you trust Kimbrel as a second closer on your roster if you only got one good one to start with? Um, I could, but then I would be getting a third closer sooner rather than later. Okay, perfect. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be drifting into some of the later names we're talking about. You know, um, if if I got Hendricks and then Kimbrel, I'm okay with that. And then you can get like a Saria or a couple of other game names that we've talked about as as you as a solid third. But I would also want a fourth and maybe a fifth. I, I just want to be able to to rotate guys through just in case there is a there's a tumultuous run. All right, we talked about the Reds already. Let's go to Coors Field, the Rockies. Daniel Bard, awesome story last year, got the job done. Oberg was hurt. They brought Givens in through trade. So guys with history closing are there. Is it the Daniel Bard show? Is it the Rockies? You just say, I don't even want to deal with it. What's your thoughts? Well, it's you got to take advantage when these beat writers have the mailbag. So Greg from Syracuse asked Patrick Saunders, <laughs> who, who's going to open the year as the closer? And he responded. And he told me Daniel Bard. Um, now that doesn't mean he doesn't write the lineup cards. So, sure. um, his, his thoughts were, they will start out probably with Bard there. They want to make sure Oberg's healthy. So just like we were talking about with Yates, they're not going to run Oberg out there two, three, you know, a lot in a row they, they got to let him work back into things and make sure the arm is healthy. Um, and, and then if it turns out that Oberg is healthy, then at some point they can flip Bard and then let Oberg move up. Um, and, and things of that nature. So um, they do like the kid they got in the Cardinals deal a lot. His last name's Losi. Um, I think I add him to the charts as somebody to keep tabs on. But again, that would be a that's probably a next year thing. But the kid does throw ninety eight. Um, so and that's something you need to survive in cores as, as Jake McGee taught us. But um, you know, Bard would be an okay closer three, um, and then you would probably have to back him up with Olberg and a draft and hold. Okay. Uh, Los Angeles Dodgers, you mentioned your concern with Kenley Jansen. Are you just avoiding the Dodgers then? But we know they're going to win a lot. Do you try Trinan, someone else? Um, I could be totally wrong about this, but I think about three months in the season, if Milwaukee does not do as well as they think they do, I think LA makes them an offer they can't refuse for Josh Hader. Yep. I think you're right. It makes too much sense. Yeah. It makes sense. For everybody involved. Because if there's one team that can restock the Brewers farm system, it's Los Angeles. And if there's one clear need that team needs to, to repeat as champions, it's a lockdown closer, which would be Mr. Hader. No, that makes sense. Uh, Miami Marlins, you know, they, uh, Yimmy Garcia had his moments at times last year. You mentioned Kinsler. He's gone. They signed Anthony Bass, who looked good in Toronto. Is it the Anthony Bass show, Yimmy Garcia? What's the deal in Miami? Uh, a source told me um, – uh, I reached out to Craig Mish about this, and he believes Bass will get first shot. Um, one thing we can't forget about Garcia is he's a free agent at the end of this year. So starting him out a closer maybe makes sense if they want to trade him, but I, I don't know. He's got two saves in his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, since the second half of 2019, Bass has 11 saves. I mean, that's more than some of the established closers we've been talking about. Um, you know, Bass is nothing flashy, but uh, against uh, right-handed batters, uh, he uses his slider, and against lefties, he uses a split finger, and he's been affected with both of those two off pitches and his 
ground ball rate last year was over 60%. So he's, he's almost like Kinsler, but he actually has better strikeout upside. So um, Kinsler was very upset that the team didn't pick up his option. That's why he went to Philly. Um, that, that was off the record from Craig, but I just blew that one. But um, I just sent him a message and I was like, did Kinsler go there because of the team option? And he was like, yep. I mean, that's, you know, it's pretty simple to see. Yeah. And everyone's a competitor and, you know, it's, it's cool to see Kinsler's willing to walk a guy. I mean, he had 14 strikeouts and 11 walks last year with mm-hmm. those 12 saves. So, I mean, you know, which will give us the segue here. I, I'm on team Bradley, but who knows what happens. But I, I think Bradley wins that role with Naris in the setup and Kinsler in the seventh, but that's a big, big improvement over last year. And you still got Alvarado as a situational lefty. So that changes the whole dynamics of their bullpen. Yeah, with so you got Bradley up, up top, Naris is still there, Kensler. Um, it feels like it'll be spread out a little bit. Maybe, like you said, Bradley getting the, the lead role. Do you see yourself drafting a Naris or a Kensler, or are you just Bradley and bust type situation? I would take Bradley, but I don't know if I would dig in on the other guys. And I've been a Naris fan in the past, but it's funny. He struggles in his own division because they know exactly what he's trying to do. Um, yeah. He does well against other people, and it got exposed last year, which is part of the reason. I mean, he did lose his job at one point last year, and he was losing save chances to Brandon Workman, who doesn't yeah. have a job right now. True. That's a little concerning. Um, Pittsburgh Pirates, Richard Rodriguez is the man there for now. There's obviously concerns with him. There's a lot of concerns with Pittsburgh in general. So what are you doing? I, I You know, it's funny. The underlying stats on, on Rodriguez, he's been really good. Um mm-hmm. However, Rob Beertenful keeps saying both on the podcast and in his articles that Rodriguez is going to get dealt, whether it's before the season, in season. They're not going to make the same mistake they made with Kella last year where they held on to him too long. Um, So he doesn't think the Pirates believe, and he actually uh, on that uh, interview with Al Melchior on The Athletics said he thinks Kyle Crick is the is the arm to own at the early part of the season, which I haven't adjusted the charge yet, but I'm going to go back and do it. Um, and they're going to see what happens. And then if Crick can't handle it uh, as the season progresses, they're looking at Blake Cedarland to eventually take over that role. Yeah, Crick, Crick's an interesting one for sure. Cedarland, that's a name to remember because he hasn't really been on my radar. So that'd be very intriguing. Let's go to San Diego. Drew Pomeranz was awesome last year when healthy. Emilio Pagan, we know what he can do. There's always the chance. They've even been rumored to bring Rosenthal back. Um, what are you doing in San Diego? Um, oddly enough, and again, I'm a Pomeranz guy. I love him. But um, I think Pagan will probably get more share. If it's those two, I think Pagan will end up with more saves. So I'll take the 100-something pick discount and take Pagan and, and and hopefully get 15 to 20 saves. I like it. That, that's another, like, third closer with upside kind of a guy. I mean, it, Everyone forgets how good Bagan was with Tampa Bay. He was working through some stuff last year, just like Kimbrell. Um, at the end of the season, he turned things around and his velocity rebounded, and then so did his performance. So, you know, if, if some, you know, talk him down in your draft and then pluck him. Yeah, both of those guys, very, very quality. If, if one guy were to miss time, they become pretty darn elite there. And, and, and that's a bullpen where if you want to canvas it, at mm-hmm. least you know those are the two main names. It's not right. like these other ones in Cincinnati where it could be one of four or five. I mean, if, you know, and that's another term I've used is canvassing, like taking more than one guy in one bullpen. I San Diego, at least at, at, as of right now, without a Rosenthal signing, there's clarity. At least it's those two guys. 
and it's it's an elite team. It's going to win a lot of baseball games, so they'll both mm-hmm. get their chance to, to make some noise. Um, we talked about the Giants already. Let's go to St. Louis. Jordan Hicks, Gallegos, Helsley, Reyes. Uh, Hicks coming back from injury, but I, I'd, I'd imagine he's the guy, assuming he's healthy. Well, he opted out last year too, so yeah. Um, if if he's if he is healthy in spring, I I would lean to him being the arm to own, and I know that was one of the reader questions. Um, I've always been a Hicks person. Uh, I think um, Gallegos, they really like him in the multi-inning role as the stopper, like he would be the Cardinal stopper. Um, and, and Alex Reyes would be a very good piggyback swing guy. Um, I, I think Reyes could eventually close, but again, he'd have to, him and Hicks both have to rein in the walks, but uh, everything, at least a couple of things I've read, hints that the, the team would prefer Hicks to take in a run with it. But again, we have to we have to wait and see. But um, if he looks good, like I said, if he looks good early in the spring, I think his ADP will rise. Uh, the wild card, the wild wild card, would be Carlos Martinez. If he doesn't win a spot in the rotation, now you're putting him into the fray too. And then if if Martinez gets put in the bullpen, then I'm I'm hands out. I'm out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, holding I'm pushing in the chips and our taking my chips and I'm going to cash in. I'm, I'm not going to keep gambling there. Yeah, it's, it's a tough situation for sure. And then lastly, the Washington Nationals, they went and signed Brad Hand. Um, and Daniel Hudson's still there. Tanner Rainey, who I thought was going to close, is still there. Are you, is, it, is it the Brad Hand show, or do you have interest in the other guys? Uh, well, you and me both. I was on Team Rainey. I, one of my first posts on Coffee and Closers was singing his praises. Um, and Brick Rowley, now the former beat writer, she got an MLB job. Um she she had tweeted out last year that they were shutting down Rainey because he was the closer of the future. So um, I think Han will probably see a majority of the save share based on the money he got and agreeing to go to that team. And this is a one-year deal, so you know they're going to see what they got. Um, I know a lot of people make stuff about Han's um, velocity decline, but if you look at his game-by-game thing, it's, it's an EKG. Yeah. So it, it's hard to judge him. Um, he figured out a way to succeed last year with the reduced velocity. So uh, I think this is another one of those 70-30. It would be 70 hand, 30 rainy if he can work his way into that. Hudson admitted to reporters that he prefers to be a setup guy. So hopefully rainy can get in there. And then if anything happens, if, if the injuries wreak havoc on the Nationals bullpen, um, they might trade hand and then you could see rainy kind of get run in the role. But that, that's that's how I see that one playing out. Yeah, I think it's Han's job until they decide not to. I'm with you there. So they, they paid him. He, he finds ways to get it done. So I'm not going to – the the velocity is concerning, but he finds ways to get it done. Um, last question from the chart I have. We've mentioned Rosenthal, Melanson. There's a couple other big names still out there. How are you approaching those types? I know you said you haven't started drafting yet, but if you were in a draft, how would you approach them? Because some people are still drafting them as if they have a job already. <sighs> That's a great question. So uh, I, I'm not really – Melanson's been okay, but at some point his peripherals are going to catch up to him. Um, he's been very fortunate. I, 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 I'd be hesitant to invest in him. I'm okay taking Rosenthal as my second closer, but, again, it's risky because if he doesn't get the job, that, that's that's going to change when you're, when you're looking two streets ahead a couple of rounds later you might have to take another closer just to insulate them or so it, it just, it creates more thought if you're doing that when you're building that roster. So if at least if I'm taking a couple of the guys we've talked about as my second closer, 
I know they're more entrenched, then I can take more chances. If I take a chance with Rosenthal, then I've really got to get a Saria or one of those other guys we talked about as a third closer that's solid uh, just to make sure um, I'm protected because you want to be, you know, we know the numbers. We got to get 80 or more saves in a 15-teamer if we're going to be up near the 75th percentile or higher. And and in a 12-teamer, I got to try and get closer to 90 saves, which is getting more and more difficult in this environment. Very, very difficult in this environment. That is for sure. Uh, let's go over some listener questions, and then we'll wrap this bad boy up. Um, we'll kick it off with Richard Sands. Um, he says, Mark Belanson, where does he sign and will he close? Um, so we kind of hit on that a second ago. Yeah, I, uh, I think he'll end up back in Atlanta, and the answer is yeah. yes, he'll start out closing, and we'll all be upset if you have a Martin or Smith share. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, do you think the Marlins add another closer besides Anthony Bass? No. Craig's uh, – what what Mish tweeted out the other day was after they lost out on Kinsler, they might bring in a guy as a non-roster invitee, but he does not see them adding uh, a Rosenthal, Melanson, or that type of uh, arm at this point. Um, and then he asked a question I know they will cut near and dear to your heart as well. Is Bubba right to have a lot of Hunter Harvey shares? You already said you have more Scott. I know now I do, but um, I think he's, he's thinking about it for me. And last year I was all Hunter Harvey. Last year I was all aboard Hunter Harvey. No, you, me, Clay Link, a bunch of us were all over Harvey, and, and he burned us. So yeah. he, he can end up burning me back, but eh, I'll, I'll, sure still, I'll still stay with Team Tanner. Yeah, I think Tanner gets the more in the end. Uh, Steve Brunn asks, favorite bullpen to target after the top you know, 12 to 15 closers? So I guess your late round guys, who are you looking to your favorite later round uh, targets, I guess? Yeah, and it's funny because I did I, – I sent Steve a message for clarity. I was like, all right, you talking like my 12 to 15 rankings? Or are you talking draft? And, and, of course, now I I lost my, my paper. They had all the ADPs out. Um, so, fantastic. Oh, here it is. So let's see. So we're going down this list. So after after 15 and ADP, which is oddly enough, Rosenthal, uh, Kimbrell at 16, I, I'm happy to have. I'm okay with getting Montero because we know what his role is. Um, and, and we've talked about a bunch of other ones. I'm okay taking a chance on Jordan Hicks, but I prefer him to be my third closer, not my second. Um, I am okay with Diekman. I am okay with uh, Romano for 10 saves. I am okay with... Uh, Puck is an upside guy. Um, I'm okay. I really think LeClerc could bounce back this year, so I'm okay with him. And I also like, you know, Saria, Bass, and those other guys that we talked about. Those are those are third closers that you go, Ugh, but yeah. and they get you 15 saves, and you're like, okay. It worked. It worked. And a lot of those guys, depending on the size of the league, now Steve does 15-team NFBC. Yes, yeah. But, like, a 12-team league, a lot of those guys are going to be on the waiver wire. So uh, keep an eye on that kind of situation. Uh, Nate Markham asks, which muddy water bullpen do you want to go swimming in? St. Louis, Tampa Bay, Atlanta, San Francisco, Minnesota, or a different one? See, I would be willing to go into Minnesota's, but not at the price Colum is going at. And then I think some of that's attached to the name value of last year and him going 12 for 12 and save chances. So, if the stars align perfectly, Nate, then I would probably like to take a chance on Hicks. And then if he does hit, then I'm getting 25 saves on a very good team and I'm getting strikeouts. And I know he walks a few too many people, but um, 
he might have the best chance to get the most saves in all those situations, especially harkening back to what we talked about with Derek Johnson and how he used the Brewers bullpen. I think it just it just caps the upside on total saves for like Amir Garrett, Lucas Sims, and all those other guys. When he sent this question this morning, I was, I was pretty much in the same boat as you. But since we talked about Jake McGee, I'm kind of tempted to swim in San Francisco's water. <laughs> I'm just a little, at the but, price. But again, at, at the price is right. I mean, yeah. and I did leave that out for Steve. That's another arm where uh, you could get a very sneaky 15 saves, even if it's at pick 331, which is what he went at um, yesterday. That's still not a bad price for 15 saves with with good ratios. No, you, that's a very good point, Bubba. Good call. That could be interesting. Um, Simon P asks, what to do with Trevor Rosenthal, especially in best balls? I keep passing on him thinking I'll let someone else deal with the headache. Then he's still there around 21, 22, 23 later. So I usually end up drafting him. What's the best and worst case scenario for him? Uh, the best case scenario is you take him at round 21 or later and he signs with Houston, then you're golden. That'd be outstanding. The worst case scenario is he ends up with a team as a setup guy and you're screwed. But we all know these guys somehow find their way. I mean, every year somehow Jeremy Jeffers gets eight saves and I can't explain it. Yep. I'm he's, with got, you. he's got a lucky penny. He does. He really does. And then, yeah, something else. Um, Chris at Baseball Pods asks, what do you think about two of my favorite late non-closer Kents, Yimmy Garcia and Chris Martin? I know you kind of mentioned you're kind of concerned, but like he does a lot of DCs and NFBC 50s draft and holds. Do you think about grabbing them in those formats super late? You can. Yeah. Um, I, I – I would just want to look at who else is going in those in those pockets, you know, 15 picks above and 15 picks below. Um, could A.J. Puck get more saves than either one of those guys? There's a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it really depends on what you're mining. And, again, we, we said, you know, Miami, if, if Bass starts out slow or they decide they want to build up uh, Yimmy's trade value, they might start him in that role. But, you know, he was with Kim in Los Angeles. I think she knows what Yemi has. <clears throat> and signing Bass tells me that she knows she probably wants Bass in the ninth inning rather than Yemi. That's a good point. Very good point. Um, I think we already said we think Garrett's the clear guy for now, but there's obviously going to be uh, pieces in play there. He won't be the 100%. It's going to be a mm-hmm. mix, but he's the guy for now. And then in close, uh, closing in Oakland for now, you think Deekman gets the first crack, right? Yeah, like we said, he would be in the 60% range. Um, we really, really, really need to pay close attention in spring. Um, um, I don't know how long. They're, usually spring training is a full game. I've heard there might be five inning games, which would be a nightmare because usually the fifth inning is when the closer-to-be is coming in because that's the last inning you face the regulars. Yep. So hopefully some of that will clear itself up and we can see it. But we want to see how – uh, Birch Smith is doing versus Wendelkin. Um, and, and there's another guy I'm forgetting. Oh, Jordan Weems, you know, all of those guys. Uh, and we got to just see. And, and then the, the big X factor is what happens with Puck. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to get into the, when I saw they were going to shorten the games to five innings, maybe seven. I'm like, seven, okay, I guess. But five. Seven I can live with, but five, yeah. that'd be tough. It means there's going to be so many more back backfield games that they're going to have to play to get these guys because. I saw a bunch of players tweeted out that said, you know, before I made it, I, coaches never knew me until I threw the eighth inning wearing like number 87 on my jersey in a spring training game. Like they didn't know who I was, but that's how you get noticed. So it's just them, you know, let's cut out minor league teams. Let's cut out their chances to throw in spring training. Like it's just baseball being baseball. But um, 
that'll wrap it up for what we have here, Greg. Uh, any final thoughts on the situation uh, that you're you're having so much fun with these days? Not the the. The, there's been a groundswell of new followers and I appreciate all of it. Um, and, and one of the, I don't know if you read it the other day, but there was a, a great article on the athletic by Levi Weaver talking about um, his issues with anxiety and other things that he's dealt with. And, and, and it sounds corny, but like when somebody's like, Hey, should I pick up this guy? And, and if I give an advice, I, I'll wake up the next morning and somebody else got saved and I'm like, I feel bad. It's like so goofy. I don't know why, I carry it with me like that, but, um, you know, I, I bust my ass to try and get all this information out there. Um, again, uh, two days a week, I, you know, Jeff Zimmerman kind of showed us the way of, of reading all of the beat writer stuff and, and he won an FSWA award for it and kudos to him. Um, he was a pioneer in that aspect. So it made me be better. So now two times a week I go through and read all 30. I look at all 30 things on MLB.com for each team. I look at all 30 spots in the athletic and I'm trying to get as much Intel as I can because that you do get information from those sources, uh, when other people might not be paying attention. And the fact that, um, I told you off air that uh, James Tommy reached out to me in an email thanking me for the efforts that I did in, in, in regards to all the relief work and, and helping him um, in, in his quest. I mean, that just means the world to me. So, you know, of course, I'd rather win the main event myself, but um, I, I'm, I'm saving up my nickels so I can do that. So, you know, I talked to my girlfriend who, who's supporting me in this whole venture, you know, and, and, and like you, I, you know, I'm phys ed teacher by day and then I'm coming home and she lets me come in the back room and work for three hours on player profiles, ADP research and reading all this stuff. She's she's patient beyond words and and I'm blessed. So, you know, all of those things wrapped into one. So. You know, if I ever get a call wrong, I apologize, but it's it's usually with my my best interest in, in, out there. And, you know, and, and I appreciate all the hard work you and Toby do and everyone else in this industry. It's it's, you know, it's fantastic to see. So, you know, I know people come sometimes come at you on Twitter and unfortunately you have to shrug it off. But, you know, and you still internalize it. Oh, yeah. No, I appreciate the kind words and I totally understand what you're saying. You know, we put a lot of time in and in the end, we can only set you up with what on supposed to be the best scenario, whatever happens is out of our control. So, uh, and in the way I tell people, it looks like between DFS and season long, if I'm telling you to do it, that means I'm probably doing it too. Mm-hmm. So you're not the only one that's, you know, having a rough go with it. So um, it's, it's just the way it goes, but hopefully we're right more than we're wrong. And you doing bullpen, man, that's, that's like roulette, Russian roulette many times. So you're, uh, you're playing with fire and I give you much, much props for that. But I always enjoy chatting with you, man. So um, plug away what you got going on, where they can find you, and uh, we'll do it again sometime. Yeah. Um, I, I know I've been being frustrating you and Toby because I've been pinning the uh, coffee and closer updates on my on my Twitter feed instead of the closer chart. But pretty soon the closer chart will will take over top spot, especially when spring, spring training games start and we can actually see some numbers and things happening, and I'll start doing some updates on there. So uh, it's at G-J-E-W-E-T-T-9 on Twitter. Um, much of my work on fancy alarm is behind the paywall, but you know, I, I would hope people would maybe be interested enough to do it. Our baseball guide is, uh, living and up for sale. And I just did the, uh, the reliever preview. Um, and again, I, I told you there, there's one more thing coming, but I'm not at Liberty to say, but, uh, it'll be, it'll be cool. And, uh, it's, it's going to be, uh, rewarding for all of the, all of the work. 
that that you know all of us doing this so, you know when one of us wins i feel like all of us win and it's going to be cool so i'm really excited and and and, and again the anxiety the the day the, the day the offer came i already had the had the anxiety bubble forming in my stomach it's but you know the, the person told me just keep doing what I've been doing and it'll be fine. So hopefully that'll be the case. That's awesome. I can't wait to see what it's all about. Everybody check out all Greg's work. It's always high quality stuff and it's always a pleasure chatting with you. So look forward to it next time. But uh, thanks my friend. You as well. Thank you, Bubba. Everybody this is Bench with Bubba episode 340 with Greg Jewett talking fantasy baseball bullpens. Catch you guys later. <laughs>